Hey there, I'm Paul Lighting. You're listening to L.O. Governor, the podcast. Of Hello Government, the podcast. I'm Abdullah. And I'm Tom. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've done one of these, and I apologize for that, but, you know, work and whatnot. Life. Yeah. Life. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll tell you, when, once you have, like, a normal 9 to 5 job and try balancing out doing a podcast, it's, it's not that easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, trying to find time to record these is just a nightmare now, but. Again, I apologize for the wait. It's been a month uh, since we recorded uh, one of these, so I'm sorry, but here you go. Yep. Anyway, uh, we're just going to talk about wrestling stuff, first of all, so if you're not interested in that, skip like maybe 40 or so minutes because it's going to be a lengthy discussion, so I apologize if for those who aren't wrestling fans who don't want to sit through the wrestling stuff. Yeah, so basically just skip forward as quickly as possible. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, what what to talk about when it comes to WWE? <laughs> Where do you want to start? Um, you want to quickly run through the releases of the wrestlers quickly before we go into the other bit of news? Yeah, releases. Um, the only one I'm disappointed in is uh, Sandow. Yeah, I I was shocked to shocked to hear about that because it's like, okay, um, here's someone who has a lot of talent. He's, he's not going to be like, you know, a main eventer in the sense of, like, basically, like, you know, main eventing, main events, but he's a good worker, and he was given a, a, a push, and, you know, if he was given the right stuff, you you know, and he's one of the only few people I can think of that went with, with, with a comedic angle and actually got over massively in a long time. I mean, yeah, I don't agree with people saying that he could have been ma- main event material. He was not. He was mostly, like, upper mid-card at best. I'm sorry, but... He's all, like, um... I'm trying to think think someone a good mid-carder for, for the instance. Um, I know people are going to hate me for this, but it's true. He's, he's sort of like uh, Savio Vega. Like, decent in the ring, but not, not a main event guy at all. No, that's what I mean. It's like, he can't... I mean, you wouldn't you put him in the main event. He would not like sell out, sort of like you know, big stadiums and all this sort of stuff. But he's a good workhorse. So basically, you can put like on um, Intercontinental US or make him win King of the Ring, all that sort of stuff. All you, you know, those sort of things. And he can put on a good match. He's he's funny. He can deliver good lines. He does have a reasonable look to him, and he did some fan- and he's done some fantastic work with multiple people especially in the tag team division i don't know why they kept they they kept um they kept taking him out of the tag team division but when some of his best stuff was when he was a team with people like his um tag team with Cody Rhodes was really good and his team up with the Miz was really good as well and they were funny as well on top of it yeah i mean he got super over as the Miz stunt double and i don't and again this is my problem with WWE. They don't they don't capitalize on uh, someone's popularity. Yeah, he, they sh- he should have won that um, Andre the Giant Battle Royal. 
back. Yeah, they had him, but they had him lose to the Big Show, which was just dumb. Yeah, I didn't understand that. That was right. Because we all know the Big Show's going to be around for, I don't know, for a few more years. And he even said on the Stone Cold podcast, he said, oh, yeah, I've got another, like, another two or three years in me. And that's kind of weird, because I, I remember like listening to that, and you can tell he was not happy at all with the way he was being booked, and I don't blame him, but at the same time, yeah, dude, you, you've been in the company for, like, what, how many years now? Yeah, he's been in the company, well, he's been wrestling since the late 90s, so, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those- but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really disappointing to see Sandow go. I think, you know, he was a decent talent, and I think he could have done a lot more if he was given the opportunity. Yeah, of course. Another one I'm disappointed in is Coulter. I really like Dutch Mantel. I think he's a fantastic guy and a really smart dude. But like, I don't know why they let him go. I think like, I think they... I think it's came down to more the creative side of things for him because um, I think he wasn't happy. And um, well, I don't blame him. Yeah, the creative team is just complete another garbage. And also, know. to be fair, it's like we haven't seen him on TV since we are uh, you you know we are the people gimmick and. Um, the whole America, Mex- yeah, America or whatever the fuck it yeah. was called. Yeah, when they brought him back to America, it made no sense whatsoever. And then they took him off TV and then you didn't hear from him at all, you know? Yeah, and it's kind of disappointing because I think he could have been a great uh, creative guy. Yeah, I, I, was, you know? I was really shocked like they didn't offer him, you know, like a backstage role, maybe as a road agent or maybe as a guy who works in the creative department or developmental, you know? Yeah, I mean, because he's, he's, you know, very talented, great, great mic worker. And as, yeah. and again, like, and if you don't believe me, like, look up his old stuff in, like, Memphis. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> you know? A lot of people seem to forget he was an actual wrestler himself. That's what a lot of yeah, I mean, D- Dutch Mantel, he's really good. I mean, he's a fantastic writer, just... Just an all-around great guy. I don't I don't understand why they didn't use him to more, to more effects, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's um, not that's the way that they got rid of. Um, yeah, who else did they get rid of as well? Well, uh, Barrett, <laughs> but Barrett like wasn't happy, so yeah. uh, I can't I can't really get mad at them for releasing Barrett because he you he know, wanted to go for a while, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So I can't really get mad at them yeah. for that, and and he said like he's taking a break from wrestling, so I'll, I'll, I'll probably see him come back like maybe January or something. Yeah, I think he's one of the guys who um, who wants to take a break. I'm tr- there's a few guys that I can't, none of them come into my mind at the moment. I've got to draw a rank in it, but he's one of these guys that basically just wants a break from wrestling and he's going to come back. I think he's essentially done what Chris Jericho has done in that sense. Basically, he just wants a break. He just go away for a bit and you know just rest because. Let's be honest, because Wade Barrett had very, very high potential of um, being a top guy in, in the industry, but then he had nagging injuries throughout his whole tie career, and then as well, other stuff came in the way as well, and bad booking, you know, it just wasn't going to work out for him in the long run, because it basically he had that moment very early on in the career to hit the glass, basically shatter through his glass ceiling, be a real a top main eventer, but WWE is like, no, we dropped the ball with him. Because they pushed him too early. I think they they just shoved him in with feuds with Cena and Orton, and I'm like, yeah, that's no. The, this is that's just... the problem with newer guys. You don't put them with Cena. You don't put them with Cena. You don't put them with Orton. Put them with guys who are under, you know, lower the card and build them up. 
Yeah, but yeah, again, WWE keep making the same mistakes over and over again, and we get. The it's same. like it's like remember when they repa- remember when they repackaged McGillicuddy and then he became like Alex uh, Alex uh, whatever the fuck. Oh, and yeah. And the first thing that they do with him was put him in the match with Triple H, and I'm like, you killed it, you killed it right there. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, because that match was horrible. It was more focused on like. Vince coming out, ringing the bell, and then Triple H ringing the bell, and then Vince basically taking the bell and walking off of it, and just like, no, you no, <laughs> you know. That's the thing you don't put you don't put these young guys with the with the bigger talent. I mean, with Styles, it makes sense because they put him in with Jericho, and I'm like, okay, fine. You know, Jericho is is you know mid card guy. You know, he can work with Styles, and they could have a little feud, and then. He'll get in, then he'll you know go for the championship, but like you don't put him in like the championship first. That's just a terrible looking decision. Yeah, and it's a suicide move. Look what happened to Ryback in that sense. He's like, oh, we'll get to him later. Yeah, oh boy. We'll a bit, but I'm using him as an example. He's the first one popping the mind more recently. Is that he was a guy that was basically was hot. Basically, people were talking about him. I know people were complaining about his botching him, but yet again, everyone was talking about him when he was just beating jobbers left, right, and center. And then suddenly they put him in the match with CM Punk because they needed a big guy called John Cena was going to be out the picture. And then suddenly. W drops the ball with him, you know? Oh, or your favorite, Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on Alberto Del Rio. I, I can't stand him. I think he's... I Personally, I think he's one of the most overrated wrestlers in WWE, personally. And I don't know why he's come back, because I mean that he basically swear down he's never going to work for, for a company that supports racism. And then suddenly, oh, look, um, here here's a bigger contract with few, few rest, um, fewer wrestling dates. There you go. I think, like, they were smart enough to just, like, keep him in the, down in the mid-card. Because, again, the dude is just a mid-carder. I'm sorry, he is. Well, like, he's just a mid-carder. He's not going to be a guy who's going to put asses in seats. I'm sorry. Well, that may mean they were wondering why, though, during the period when he was champ. Because there was a period when was John Cena, Bert Del Rio, and CM Punk were champion. And when he was, where Bert Del Rio was champion... The only increase of audience they got, I will admit, it was okay, it was in the Mexican fan base. But yet again, immediately when he lost the championship, the Mexican fan base just went away and it didn't increase overall, you know? Like, that's kind of the problem with Vince. Like, he's trying to, to, to get that, to tap into that Latin market and he just needs, like, he needs a guy like Rey Mysterio, but Rey Mysterio is gone and, you know, Kalisto isn't working out, so. I mean, Kalisto, well, there you go. I mean, Kalisto's not working out, um, Berto Rio didn't work out, and Sin Cara, oh my god, that was a disaster. Oh, Lord. <laughs> no, and 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 I'm sh- the, the other ones that really shocked me was Cameron. I think that that was kind of weird that they let her go. Cameron, I'm, I'm really surprised. Cool. I've heard, okay, she's not a good wrestler, but I've heard she's very good for PR stuff. In, yeah, that's like, kind of what shocked me. It's like you you let go one of your biggest like PR opportunity people. I don't understand that. Yeah, well, I mean, she wasn't a good worker. Let's get that straight out there right now. She wasn't the best female wrestler, but she was very very good on the whole PR side. You can take her anywhere, any conventions. The the uh, be a star campaign. She was really good ambassador for them, and um, I don't know why they didn't do what they did with her with JoJo. Maybe give her a backstage role, maybe be an interviewer, or possibly you know, ring announcer or something. You know, I'm really surprised about that, personally, you know? 
I mean, they let her go, and I'm shocked that Santino and Hornswoggle still had contracts. Santino, with <laughs> yeah, and Santino heard he was really, really popular backstage, and he did a load of WWE Network stuff as well. So I'm surprised they didn't keep him on with the whole backstage segment. With the last, the last time he came on TV was like a, during like a Christmas episode of SmackDown, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, because he did a lot of WWE Network stuff. Like I know he'd done a lot of stuff with Swerve, and he'd done some stuff with Edge and Christian. You, you know. And other shows, he even had his own WWE show on the WWE Network at one point when he went around different countries and stuff like that. And it was a very good, he was a good, he was a good worker. But the problem was that I think he had too many injuries, and I think he wanted to slow down as well. And you know when because again, there's not a lot you can do with someone who's literally just like retired and taken up a spot in the roster. Yeah, exactly. You just can't do much with that. What I mean, the only guy that actually did that was that NXT guy who unfortunately had a injury that was career-threatening, and he's done well for himself. He became an announcer for NXT and also for WWE Network shows. I can't remember his name is at the moment. Uh, Corey Graves. That's it, yeah. That's his name, yeah. He, he's done well for himself, but Santino, he's, he's a really funny guy, but I think, I think I can understand why they let him go if they had to let him go, you know? And Hornswoggle, oh boy. <laughs> why was he not let go earlier? I don't know, because, like, did they... You were really thought after the whole once Finley was gone from, from the company as a wrestler, you would have thought, oh, yeah, it makes logical sense. Hornswoggle would have gone afterwards because any p- person they put him with, it would just destroy the angle or the gimmick. It's not saying what the guy who is Hornswoggle, who plays Hornswoggle as a bad person. It's just really bad booking. It's like he made a joke out of Chopper Grell during the final run at WWE. Oh, God, I remember, remember when he turned heel and then... And feuded with like El Tonto. Oh, yeah, Lord. yeah, he was. He was. Uh, what's it? Um, Free MB, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh God, that was. A thing. Yeah, I forgot about that. And they had a ladder match, and it was like mini ladders. I, I mean, uh, go go back into the archives, and you'll hear me complaining. And I'm like, why does Vince love midgets so much? <laughs> no, seriously, you just have to go through any stage of history. For anyone wondering, listening to this, just go through any stage of history, and you will see midget wrestlers everywhere. It, it's yep. very bizarre. Vince, have you heard about this? Vince's actual favorite film is actually something about Mary. Oh my god! <laughs> it explains a lot about his humor. Once you find that out, that's a true fact. <laughs> oh god! No, well, the, all the toilet humor now makes sense. <laughs> well, apparently, he's not a big fan of films and television, but stuff he does like it's like something about Mary is like his favorite film, and it makes a load of sense now. You know. <laughs> That's why Ready to Rumble feels more like a WWE movie than a yeah. WCW movie. Cause it's uh, apparently he tried, um, tried to pitch, what's it, ten times to try to do what they did in something about Mary with the whole cum in the hair thing. Oh my God. Actually doing WWE TV at least ten times. <laughs> doing the Attitude Era. <laughs> now that explains all the weird shit in the Attitude Era. Yep. So, yeah, um... I know this is like old news, but like speaking of the Attitude Era, I, I, I and I don't want to like sound like an asshole because you know we're ignoring a person's death, but like China passed away. Like, oh uh, yeah, that yeah, yeah that, that was a uh, that was a weird uh, weird moment. Yeah, it's like I, I think how can I put this? It's like it's like oh, well, I followed China on social media, and it looked like to me she was getting better in the sense of um, you know, like trying to reconnect with the fans and trying to become a good person, you know, like better herself, you know. 
get more in yeah. touch with the wrestling side of things, you know? And I know now and again she did the weird stuff on social media with, with the interviews and the talking and the rant videos and the comments on Twitter, but she seemed like she was getting better. It was, like, it was a shock because it's like, okay, she's not done anything bad recently. And then suddenly, oh, wait, wait, oh, wow, she died. Yep. Have they actually announced, um, have they actually said how she actually died recently? Has, has I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, because it's like, you know, maybe it's an overdose, maybe it's like an, a suicide, I don't want to say that, but it could be, I don't know. Which is just sad. Oh yeah, it is sad that she passed away, and it's it's even, it is very, very bad for WWE to finally acknowledge her in the sense of, like, basically, yeah, she was a part of our company, and, you know, we're going to remember her in that sense. It's, uh took her death for WWE to finally be like, okay, yeah, we're going to... And not even and not even her death, like, because if you look back at, like, some of the network stuff that he did, like, last year, they, they, they talked about China in a positive light, which is kind of weird. I think you can tell that it was slowly trying to build that bridge back up between their relationship. You can tell, like, she was doing all... Because if you follow her on social media, she was doing a load of conventions and going to places and seeing wrestling fans and stuff like that this year and last year. So, you know, and WWE's slowly starting to re-mention her and stuff like that. And there's even the um, Stone Cold podcast when Triple H said that there might be a possibility, you know? And he's even come out recently saying, he said... She said, he even said, she deserved to be in the Hall of Fame, you know? I think what shocks me the most is, like, the first person to ever comment on her passing from the industry was Stephanie, which is like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it's like, I mean, because I know at the time she was taking, what was it, um, she had a lot of anxiety problems, a lot of sleep problems and stuff like that, and she was taking medica medication for it, you know? So I don't know, it's just... yeah. But apparently, you know, she donated her brain to um, CTE um, for um, to look at um, concussions and stuff like that. So she donated her brain for that cause. Well, that's good. because so no, like you know, concussions are concussions are a problem that I, I think the industry should take more seriously. But again, it's wrestling, you know. Yeah. But no, I, I, I think that's quite cool that, that she donated her brain for, for that. Because I remember, was it, watching an interview with her and she made that comment. I thought, oh, okay. And then suddenly I saw an, an article about it following up on it. I went, oh, okay, that's cool. She actually, she actually did put, you, you know, say to do that. And they're actually going through with that. that that's cool. I mean, what, what I, well, you know, I think, yeah. You know, normally I don't like the fact that they would add, like, a wrestler to the Hall of Fame after they pass away, but, uh, but like, considering the history between the WWE and China, I would say, yeah, you know, she'll probably be in the Hall of Fame next year, probably. Yeah, she will be in the Hall of Fame next year. I think she deserves to be. I think for a while, because um, remember, we were actually we were talking about this for a while, I said, after when they inducted later Trish Status, we were, you and me were actually talking, we were thinking, okay, who else is actually deserved? women-wise to be put in the Hall of Fame. I think we did talk about it with China, but we were like, no, nah, they're not going to do that, you know? And Especially, like, you can tell, like, again, like, you know, Chris Jericho has been very vocal about her in the past, saying that she was his worst opponent, that he never liked working to, with her, but, like, when she passed, she's like, you know, we never saw eye to eye, but, like, I, you know... It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Which is how you should do it, not be a complete and total dick about it. True. 
Anyway, speaking of total dicks... <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, uh, are you talking about someone beginning with an R and he wants uh, to feed him more? Uh, steroid guy. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Ryback. <laughs> oh, God, Ryback, Ryback, Ryback. Um, I want... for, those that don't, for those that don't know, Ryback has just gone Fruit Loops. He's gone off the grid. He's just gone insane. Um, he essentially, what I like to call, he caught the C, the C, M virus punk, <laughs> which essentially, he's essentially became extremely butthurt with a pinch of salt, complained about, starts, the symptoms are basically, he starts complaining about how he's been booked, complained about he's not getting time off, and complaining about that he constantly keep losing matches, and he basically trying to bury the whole entire company and take it down with him. This is essentially what Ryback has been doing. And what's funny is, like, out of all the people, he's the he's the one who should not be complaining. Like, people who are, like, you know, Ryder, yeah. Ziggler, they, they have the right to complain. But yeah. him, no. He what, doesn't have the right to complain. What do you mean? I've actually read his, ard- his argument, and I get... Yeah, I, 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 re- I mean, I read through that just now, and I'm like, okay, I get where you're coming from, dude, but you're taking this way too fucking seriously. He pretty much, for those who have not read the article, he pretty much... When the large majority of his argument is that he wants equal pay just for him and everyone else in the locker room. And he he wants, like, he, he feels that it's unfair for people who win pay-per-view matches, get bonuses, and then people who lose it don't get bonuses at all, in that sense, you know? and Which, which I kind of agree, yeah, that's kind of bullshit, but at the same time, it's like... You some guys are going to be jobbers. Like, that's how the business works. I mean, look at Heath Slater. Heath Slater has pretty much accepted the fact that he's just a jobber. That's all he's going to be. So yeah. why not, you know, go with it? You know what I mean? It's like, just because you're not going to sell in one area, basically embrace what you can. And Heath Slater, he, if you watch the WWE Network, he's embraced that side of the whole social media. He's like, he's, Heath Slater is on a lot of WWE Network programs. You know? Yeah, I mean he accept he accepted that fact, and you know what that that's that's how you should do it. Like if if like yeah. they give you a rotten deal, accept it and just like move on, make the best of it. I don't mean, don't be don't be this asshole who's like, oh well, you know, pay me more and and whatnot. And what, really, dude? What do I mean? Because he um, that's what I, mean. I can understand where he's coming from, but at the same time, it's not it's I think it's not the best thing to say from his position because he's actually I think he's one of the mm, I want to say the most paid. But he's up there. He does get a load of luxuries. I mean, dude, if if the company didn't see any any value in you as a as a as a worker, they wouldn't have put you in feud with in a feud with Punk. Yeah. I'll say that right now. Well, what I mean, there's like even the rumors, and I think even being confirmed, he basically walks out on his contract negotiation. It's like they were going to renegotiate your contract, and he wanted to keep you around. You know. I mean, yeah, he said, like, oh, this has been going on since my Intercontinental title run. And I'm like, really, dude? Are you really that fucking shallow that, you know, having the Intercontinental title didn't mean didn't mean that much to you? Really? Yeah, I, this one, man, I can understand where he's coming from. He does make some really good points in the whole equal pay thing and equal opportunities. I, I can totally get where he's... Yeah, I understand that. I'm not saying, like, his argument doesn't have, like, you know... Uh, merit, but like the way he words it is just so terrible. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's really like more. He does make a valid point, but at the same time, it's like he's acting like from. I don't want to be completely mean to him, but because um, he does seem like an all right guy, um, 
He's like a hey, hey, I just I just I just want to make this clear. I don't have anything against Ryan Reeves as a person. No. I've never met the guy. I I you know never talked to him. I'm not I'm not like trying to talk shit to get like you know people to talk about me on social media. I don't care. What I'm saying is his argument is crap because this. Yeah, and got into a drop threw his toys out the pram and, you know, and decided to walk out in that sense. So it's not uncommon. It's not unheard of. It's like you can look through the history of any rest, um, the wrestling industry. It's like then you had, like, wrestlers like Hulk Hogan. You had Stone Cold, Stone Cold CM Punk, you, you know, and they've all walked out on the company, you know, and, and you know, it, it's not an uncommon thing. It's like, it's not uncommon, it's not like, oh, we enter Basara land here, it's like, it happens, it's like, wrestlers do get fed up, they get burnt out, and I think this is what's happened to Ryback, he essentially just got burnt out and fed up, and I think he just needs to step away for a bit, and just rethink about stuff, and if he's not happy with WWE, he goes with two options, one, he either can follow another career path, which is not involved with wrestling, or go to another, you know, work on the indie circuit, or go to another wrestling company, by the way, don't go TNA or Global Force um, because Global Force is not happening and TNA is probably going to go bankrupt by the end of next year. But I still can't believe they actually signed Hornswoggle to a Global Force show. <laughs> Global Force only had, was it, like two pay-per-views and it has no syndication. It's not like, it, Global Force is like another podcast, but my God, Global Force is like, that's, a dis- that's just a disaster. And then, Have you heard about the pyramid scheme that Jeff Jarrett done recently? Oh yeah, I mean, I, mm-hmm. when I look at this and I'm like, yeah, this is whole, this is just a Ponzi scheme, isn't it? Yep, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not pleasant, and you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just not good. But but getting back to Ryback, um, like I said, I think he's basically just burnt himself out. I, it happens to all the wrestlers now and again. It's like even Brock Lesnar, you know, he just got burnt out and fed up with with the company, you know. It just yeah, I mean. But at the same time, like, you know, the way he worded his argument was really terrible because it sounds like he's being bitter about stuff. And I'm like, dude, you, you, you've been like, you've been, you're, the company has been trying to make your character work since 2012. Yeah. Four straight years we've been, like, getting you, try, they've been trying to push you as the next Goldberg. Yeah. And it has not worked at all. Yeah. I think it doesn't help that basically he tried to mock the whole chanting of the fans and stuff like that. That hasn't helped, but, you know, it's... It, it, he just... Uh, I think just at the moment, he just... I think he just needs a break. He just needs a time away from the company, you know, and, you know, either just go to a different company or work on the indie circuit, you know? Because at the moment, it's like, yeah, he just doesn't... He, I, I think we're not going to see Ryback again in WWE, to be honest, um, right now. I I I I just I don't think that the company's gonna like kneel to any of his demands because they, they don't really give a shit. I don't expect them to really give a shit about him because he's no longer a big uh, draw for them. Well, the beef don't really want to see. So yeah, uh, right back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably move on to the next topic. I think we we spent enough time talking about him. <laughs> 
He's Sid Vicious 2.0. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, next topic. What else do you want to talk about? Because I got nothing. <laughs> well, we do have the whole Power Ranger news with um, Rita Repulsa being revealed and also the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers themselves. I, sw- I swear to God, this reminds me so much of Fantastic Four. I swear to God. I don't know why. Right, okay. This is the thing that it looks weird about, but about this whole thing is that Basically, they reveal was it like, like a month ago? They reveal Rita, right? Yeah. So we basically got Rita. We got what she looked like, and we we're like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that's that's not um, that's definitely not her. You know, it definitely does not look like her. It definitely not sound like her. You know, it's like it's nothing to do with her. So we're like, again, what's sad is like they cast a really good actress, and, and I love Elizabeth Banks. She's re- she's a really funny actress. And I think she could have done well with the role, but like they're going with a darker interpretation, which I think is just really stupid. So we're like, okay, Rita doesn't like good. Maybe the power. Oh wait, the Power Rangers come out, and they just look like carbon copies of Iron Man. It wouldn't be so bad if they had like if they didn't have like repulsor. Oh, the chest plates. That, that, yeah. <laughs> okay, but this when I first saw them, I was like, okay, that's not too bad, right? It's not too bad and then I start looking at more and I'm like okay yeah I can see why people are saying it looks like Iron Man because of the chest plates and the um, the armor and yeah I, I can totally see where they're coming from at the same time and someone said to me said they don't they basically they blend into two together with each other like I can agree with that yes and no but I don't think because you're like when I was talking to this person he went oh they look as bad as Decepticon for the Transformers movie and I'm like mm, no, no no not that bad I think to me the problem with it with with like the Decepticon designs. I mean, I I don't mind the Autobot designs. I mean, the Autobot designs are fine, but like the Decepticon designs, they tried so hard to make them look evil that yeah. it just looks dumb. And they all blend together. That's the problem with the Decepticons. Yeah. And um, with these guys, I think they're just missing their tiny key elements. Like I'm like, for instance, like I think it would look better if it has some more white in in their clothing, and if they had the. I mean, just just like extra detailing, not you know. Yeah, it's just like okay, give like, give them the boots, give them the gloves, give them the belt, you know, like give them those, you know. And what's sad is like it's clear that they're trying to take inspiration of like you know from the Mighty Morphin designs, and I'm thinking to myself, why don't you just do your own thing, you know? Yeah. I, I can understand why they've done that, but at the same time, I can understand why they did the whole Mighty Morphin thing, because it's like, well, we're trying to cash in on, you know, nostalgia's sake, for nostalgia's sake, you know, basically, it's like, oh yeah, basically, if we throw something in people who grew up with as kids or teenagers, and then we snap it into a film, they're more likely going to go and see it, you know, and I can understand why they've done it. Personally, I, I mean, they 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 pretty much pander to the '80s crowd, and they're done with that. Now they're pandering to my generation, the '90s kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. There's pretty much they've gone through all the '80s stuff, and now they're like, okay, what generation's next? Okay, we've got the '90s, and you know what was bigger than the '90s? Oh wait, Power Rangers. Here we go. And we've got the Power Rangers. I don't. I mean, because everyone who's playing the Power. That's the thing that annoys me about it as well. You've seen the actors and actresses that they got cast to play these Power Rangers, right? I mean, they look like the normal kids, so you know, whatever. I don't really mind them. I mean, the casting's not bad. That's what I mean. When you look at the casting, Living Bank and Rita, and then when you look at all, all the kids, the, all the teenagers they got, it's like. It's not bad casting, you know. It's like, and I'll give, and I'll give them credit. As much as I don't like the redesign, at least it's a suit. At least it's not fucking CGI. Yeah. Thank you for that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, it's like the suits don't look that bad, and I think they're just missing the final details. And it's like, like I said, give them the gloves, give them the boots, give them the belt, give them the morphers, you know, and the gun holsters. And I think, I think the worst out of the bunch is the blue, blue ranger because the blue that they picked just doesn't go with the design. No, that's what I mean. It's like the color. I mean, the, but, uh, I mean, there's a sign. It's, it's, the, it's the design, like. When I look at them, I went, okay, yeah, I can tell them the Power Rangers, but you can so, so tell there's like, it's like, okay, what what's a cool-looking design? Well, Iron Man's a cool-looking design in the Marvel films. Let's basically take that. And it's like the chest plate thing. It really did not need that glowing chest plate. Why did it need the glowing chest plate? Just give them the animal symbols, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, it's like, if you're not going to give them the animal symbols, I don't know, maybe just make it white, you know, basically give them the white, tri- was it, diamond shape things around the chest. And another, another thing I don't like is like there's no there's no detailing in the helmets. I think I would have liked it if they had like a more detailing in the helmets. They, uh, there is minor detail, but the only one that really got any good detailing is um the Red Ranger because the rest of them kind of blend into each other. The Red Ranger is the only one that really got, you know, like like the detailing on the helmet if you look closely, yeah, you know. I mean, yeah, I, the the one that ironically doesn't look that bad is the Red Ranger. The rest are just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, I, it's just minor little stuff. It's like, I, and, and it doesn't it doesn't help that the Black Ranger looks too much like the uh, 2014 RoboCop. Yeah. It doesn't help. Because this woman, I, sh- I showed this to my girlfriend um, this image, and she basically just because I mean she's not into the whole nerdy stuff or. That sort of thing, but again, she knows what the Power Rangers are because again, she's like me, a '90s person, and we grew up during the '90s. And um, I showed it to her, and the first comment that came out of her mouth was, "Say, yeah, it needs more white, it needs more white coloring in it." Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Again, like the Black Ranger looks too much like Robocop from 2014. The Blue Ranger looks terrible, and you know, the 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 pink and yellow Ranger just look the same. Like, there's not a lot of detailing in the uh, designs with them. See, look, too. You know you what know, the costume reminds me of a little bit? What? Um, you know that Superman film that never got made with uh, Nicholas Oh, oh God. <laughs> uh, Superman Lives. Yeah. It reminds me of that a tiny bit with the glowing wires. Because you remember... I mean, I, I kind of understand why they did that, because they wanted them to look more alien, but still, come on. Yeah, I, I can... Yeah, but I mean, you can't even notice it on the Blue Ranger because it's actually the same blue, you know? Yep, yep. <laughs> but I don't know. I, it's one of these things that when you just look at it, you're like, mm, they could done... I mean, I know I know a lot of people lo- a lot of people lost their shit over the TMNT designs, but I like the TMNT designs because they made put effort into making each turtle look individual and, and also, different. And also with the TMT look as well, in the second film that's coming out, they actually improved on the designs, actually made them more brighter and basically got rid of some stuff that didn't work on it. So they learned yep. the mistake and actually made it better, you know? Yep. So, yeah, it's like, I think with this, I think it's going to be like a test and trial run. Basically, if this film does well enough to get a sequel, I think they probably might go back to, go back to the drawing board and say, okay, right, what work, what, what work and what doesn't work? And... I mean, because we haven't got any teaser trailers yet. The only thing we've we've got so far is a logo. We know what Rita looks like, and we know what the Power Rangers look like in 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 suits and outside the suits. That's all we got, and they look all right outside the suits and inside the, in the suits. 
could have been done a bit better. I'm not saying they're the. Worst. I mean, they're not the worst designs I've seen. Worse, I think to me, the war a lot worse would be the Daredevil from 2003, that looked a lot worse than these guys. But like, it's still not good, like at all. Uh, have you heard who's been cast as um, as Jason's father in the film? Uh, I, I forgot the actor's name. Um, David um, Demon. Yeah. Yeah, he's been cast as the father. So um, for those that don't know, he is. Oh God, he's been in like I think he's probably. He, I know he's a big recurring character in the Office, in the American Office. I know that much off the top of my head, but I can't really think what else he's been in apart from that in ER. <laughs> I, I I I think I'm the thing I'm I, I'll give this movie credit. It's at least trying to get like trying to get people to watch the movie based on brand recognition instead of just like putting in like major stars into the movie to get them go see it. Yeah, it's one of these elements that once this film come out, we're gonna see who's good, who's good in casting as the roles of these characters because some of these some of these actors barely done anything or either done either done TV movies, short films, or just been in television. And some of them have, some of them haven't. You, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where it's go, where it's going. You know. I just hope that the suits look better in motion than they do. What do you mean? It's not not the first time. You remember? I can't remember what it was. When remember something came out, we saw images of it, um, and we thought, oh god, this looks awful. But when it, when it was in motion, it's like, okay, that's not so bad. You know. Because, yeah, I mean, like I said with the Transformers designs, like when they when the first concept art came out, everyone was bitching about them when you saw them in motion. It's like, yeah, that's pretty fine. You know? Yeah. That's what I mean. I'm so, just... so I don't know. Well, I mean, because, like, the person they got to direct it, well... Well... <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> this is his um, second feature film, so... Fingers crossed... I don't know. And then I think it's going to be a mess because you've also got... Um, um, how, how many five, writers? Like five. Six, five, six writers? I don't yeah, know. It's like five writers on it. And um, I've been looking at the, what they've done. And, oh boy. Um, um, I know Landis was originally attached to it, but I think he dropped out. Can you blame him? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you're one of the writers for this. One of the co-writers for was it Gods of Egypt. Oh Lord! Yes, yeah, so it's like you got those writers involved in it, and they also worked on was it Dracula Untold as well? Was another one they? Oh my God! <laughs> the only competent writer on the writing staff they got is um, Ashley uh, Miller, who um, who has done some good work. He's he's, he's basically he did the screenplay for the first Fall film. He did the screenplay for X Men First Class. He's worked on Terminators, the Sarah, um, Sarah Jones Chronicles as well, you know? Yeah, but, like, when you're stuck with other writers and knowing how Hollywood is with scripts these days, yeah, he's not going to have much impact on the on the, on the final product. Well, I mean, you've got those two writers, basically, working those... Basically, two of the writers worked on those two films and the other ones worked on Dracula Untold, and it's a mixed bag, you know? <laughs> I think it could have been worse if they still kept on La- if they kept Landis on because oh boy that would have that would have been a clusterfuck right there. Yeah, I mean it, it depends how it's going to go. Um, it, it can be really bad, it can be really good, but 
um, I think it's just going to be one of these things. It's, it's going to come out. It's not going to do fantastically well, but if it does, my God. I mean, maybe it's going to be like a TMNT, because like TMNT, everyone was like, oh, this is going to flop, this is going to flop. It came out in August, no one was going to see it. But then it came out and made like a shit total, shitload of money yeah. at the box office. What do I mean? It's it's not it's I mean, it doesn't have a huge budget to it. That's the thing that's also really surprising about it. It's uh, because the... I think that's because of Deadpool now. It's like oh well, if 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 you know Fox is like okay, if we can make Deadpool for like this much money and gross this much money, then we probably can do the same yeah. with other. Movies. And uh, and also I know was it Samban, um, the guy who runs the company who basically got the Power Ranger rights originally, uh, um. He's overseen the project. Whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> well, to be fair, they also oversaw the project for the first uh, movie back in the 90s. So, yeah. <laughs> good idea, but... Um... And even then, that... Okay, here's an interesting story. Go go on, like, many... I don't remember where I read this, but, like, go and read, like, some of the detailing on the Power Rangers uh, movie, the first one. It was a clusterfuck. It really was. It was a lot of people getting in. There was a lot of cooks in the kitchen, the best way to put it. Like, they originally wanted them to run around without the visors, which looked weird, and then a lot of people were like, oh, I didn't, I didn't watch the show, I want to do this, I want to do that, and it just, it was a mess. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. This film made on a budget of $150 million. That's like 10, was it, that was like 10 million more than... Uh, and the first Iron Man film was made on, so, you know, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope I hope that they don't cut too many corners, because if they do, then it's going to really bite them in the ass. I think it's going to bite them in the ass if they get a budget, if, if their money get taken away from them. I hope not. Yeah, that, that was going to happen. Because, like, with a movie like this, you kind of need the whole big CGI monsters and big CGI robot battle at the end. Yeah, hopefully the CGI is good. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I hope the CGI is good. Not like the Gods of Egypt CGI, which looked really terrible. <laughs> oh, no, man. It's like I met the, was it, um, Jason and Paul, um, the guy who played Bulk and Skull, and um, they even joked to me when I was interviewing them, saying, saying that, we went to see this film, they were telling us this CGI is amazing, you're never going to see anything like this or anything ever better, and we thought, wow. That was complete crap. And we've still got that opinion. Wow, this is still complete crap. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I kind of feel, feel sorry for the guy who played Bulk because he was in Samurai, and that was a terrible fucking series. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, Power, Power Rangers. I'm not really that that enthusiastic about it, but it could be worse, I guess. I don't know. It could be worse. <sighs> Anything else? <laughs> well, um, I do have one thing on the top of my head. Um, you and me, we, we we both like Doctor Who, right? Oh God! To the large majority of it. To the large majority of it. Um, Define like, because I have a really weird relationship with the series, to be quite honest. Okay, for those that don't know, me and Dora here, we basically, we, we like Doctor Who, but we don't like, we didn't like the last series. We despised the last series, and... Oh. Yeah. I, I, I swear to God, like, that, that, that last episode really pissed me off, I swear to God. Yeah, because, this is what I mean, because, um, for those wondering that... Uh, 
our problem with Doctor Who is that it's a very, you either like him or you hate him as Stephen Moffat. Like, it's like he was the cause of the main problem with Doctor Who. It's like, you can give him credit for writing some of the fantastic standalone episodes during the Russell T. Davis run and, you know, the early days when he became showrunner and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, you can give him credit for that. He is a really, he is a good standalone writer, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a good writer, but, like, being a good writer doesn't mean that you're that you're a good showrunner. Exactly, and he made some very, very weird choices over the course of the show. Oh, he, he, went, he went nuts. I, I truly believe he just went crazy in the last season and just said, fuck it, I yeah. don't care. What do I mean? Because, like, if you look at the last series, you can look this up, um, you can look at each episode. Like, last series, he wrote... The large majority of the last season, like barely anyone wrote wrote the other episodes. He and wrote... you can tell, like he just went nuts with the ideas. He just like, I, I swear to God, like when I watched the first episode of the first se- series, I was like, yeah, he's just deliberately doing this just to piss people off. Well, he's again, you have him. Was it the Doctor coming out riding on a tank playing electric guitar? Like, yep. no Doctor Who's been known for its wacky shit, but my God, that was like, hmm, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we're going to retcon uh, Davros's origin, because fuck you. <laughs> yeah, okay, this, this is the thing that annoys me about it. It's like, I will give credit to Doctor Who for this. It's like, was it like, the only episode from the last series I liked was the opening two-part. That was enjoyable, and I love... Oh, the guy, the guy who played Davros really should get more credit, because he was fucking amazing in that it's, episode. It's the same guy they use in the, um, when they brought him back in the Russell T. Davros run. It's still the same guy. Yeah, I mean, he's really good. He's really good fucking actor. good. Yeah. And again, Peter Capaldi as well. He's a really good actor as well, and they worked off so well with each other. Yeah, I mean, you can tell, like, you know, <laughs> that he was like, you know, I, I. My problem with it is like, oh, I was fooling you the entire time, and I'm like, really, really, because the Doctor's not that naive. No, and it runs into the constant problems of, okay, this happened, that happened, this happened. I think. To me, like, watching that two-parter, I was like, okay, it's clear that Moffat, like, got a lot of complaints from parents saying, oh, the show is too dark, and yada, yada, yada. So he's like, fuck it, I'll make it darker. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, the only other episode I really liked as well was the, um, you know, the second and last episode. Was the episode when he's trapped inside that castle, inside that tiny watch, you know? And I thought that was really good, and there's, there's, that was a really good episode, because it was pretty much him running away from this creature that constantly keep killing him and he keep reliving like the last 24 hours and it was very cleverly done and you know how he got out of it was very cleverly done as well you know and uh, I mean that may I mean when you do like standalone episodes like that that that's really that's the strength of the show to me when it's it's better when it's just standalone but like when you're trying to have an overarching arc no no this was the problem that I had with it with this season right when Moff- Clara. <laughs> okay, no, Clara I didn't mind. Clara I had no problem with. I didn't like how they wrote her in the last series because they blankly made her a lot more dumb in this, in the last season, because reasoning why, I don't know why. Um, they just did that. I think she wasn't the main... And then she she dies and then comes back in the most stupidest yeah, fucking way I don't way like possible. that. I do not like the fact they killed her off. I don't like how she was killed off, and then I don't like the fact that they didn't stick to their guns, at least, and it's like, no, 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 she's still alive, she's not dead, but the Doctor just just doesn't remember her. Yep. And it's like, oh. So so he retconned the series, and then retconned it again. 
Yeah. Brilliant. That's, that's the Moffat. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> that's the Moffat way, you know. So, Moffat, Moffat, Moffat. <laughs> but, um... There's just some really, really weird stuff in it I do not just get. It's like, okay, what we're going to do? Okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, you know? It's like, oh, okay, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And it, Oh, the, ep- the episode with the ghost was just really fucking stupid. Yeah, it's, it's some really, they made some really dark decisions with, with the show. And to be honest, I can't remember the, most of last season. Most of last season was like, oh, okay, this happened. Okay, this episode. Okay, this episode. And also, you remember everyone criticizing for not doing two parts anymore? Yep. Oh, my <laughs> God, the last season. It's like, every, epi- every episode is a two-parter, by the way, so there you go. Fuck you. <laughs> except for, like, one episode, and that's the standard yep. episode I talked about. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, he's really just like, he's just like, he basically just like, yep, I'm taking your criticism, and I'm going to put it here, and I'm basically just going to just overuse it just to prove a point that, you know, two-parters are just not that good, you know? Yeah, and it's like, oh, more two-parters... More darker, edgier stuff because fuck you and yeah. <laughs> yeah. This made it just got to the point when it just got too ridiculous, got really bad. I think the the ratings didn't do that good either. Like the ratings dropped quite badly, and I know they dropped because I hope to God that they don't blame this on Peter. He, he it's not his fault. No, I know no. during the time when Doctor Who first started back in September or October, the Rugby World Cup was on here in the in the UK. Ah. Uh. So people probably might be watching that and might be watching soap opera. They might be watching other things because, you know, Rugby World Cup is a big deal here. You, you know, it was a really big Well, yeah. Yeah, and that happened. And the only good episode of the season I would say was getting good was the Christmas special. Because when I watched it, I'm like, wow, this is actually enjoyable. This is actually fun. It's not take. It's lighthearted. It reminds me of a Russell T. Davis episode. And even though it was written by Moffat himself... It felt like that sort of error, and it wrapped up the whole River Song stuff. And it was just a standalone episode. I was like, wow, this is really good. This is what you need to do for Christmas specials, basically do these standalone episodes. And the last series was a complete mess, and basically he's gone now. Moffat's gone, basically. He's left the showrunner, and I think I think they got a new person in now. I'm not sure who it is, but... Um, the guy who was the main showrunner for uh, the show Tenet worked on. Okay, no, so Oh, okay, that's hopefully. And they, they cast a new companion as well, an unknown again, so it's um, someone called Peel Mickey, I think her name is, but she's playing a character called Bill, but I've got a really, really bad feeling she's going to be what they've done with Donna. They're going to try and make her a comedian companion. I hope to God they don't start showing her. Yes. I swear to God, I Apparently don't. they described her, apparently she's going to be cool, strong, sharp, a little bit Basive, um, bit of a geekness thrown in there. So, oh, oh please, describe so that when immediately they say that. I went, oh, so I'm going to expect a member of the Big Bang cast basically to be the Doctor's companion for the whole entire episode. Oh, kill me, fucking kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, again, we're not getting next season. It won't be aired until 2017. So this year we're going out. It, this whole situation with Stephen Moffat, it reminds me of the whole thing with the Fifth Doctor. It it reeks of that sort of, you know, error around it. Like, 
it, it just gone off the rails. And I think history's repeating itself again in that sense. Oh, you mean when, uh, what was it, Tom Baker went nuts and started, like, ad-libbing most of his most of the stuff that they did? Yeah, and then they brought in the fifth guy, Colin Baker, and, you know, and the showrunner went completely insane. They did the whole trials of the Doctor. You, you, know, they had, they, you know, they had that whole mess, you know? And then the ninth Doctor, which really like here, here's what makes me laugh about the ninth Doctor. The ninth Doctor was like supposed to be like the darker and edgier reboot of Doctor Who, where it's like no more bright colors, no more whatever. It's going to be darker, edgier, and it just did not did not revive the series as well as they had hoped. <laughs> so they were like, "Yeah, Russell, can you uh, lighten this up a little bit? Get someone more fun." Because this is just depressing. <laughs> it, just, it, it just didn't work. You know? And then you had Tennant, and then you had, what was it, Matt Smith, who, again, I'm not a fan of his run, because, again, it, it you know, Matt Smith's run is a bit the best example of Moffat's horrible writing when it comes to long, ongoing arcs. Yeah. Hopefully it's going to fix itself. Maybe I mean I'm I'm not looking forward for the next season. You know it's like for anyone who listens to this podcast, you can we're we're Doctor Who fans. We like Doctor Who, but at the same time, I'm not a diehard Doctor Who fan like some people are. But at the same time, I'm like I enjoy the show because it can be good when it's written good. It is written fantastically well, you know. And then when it's bad, oh my god, it is so bad. <laughs> Oh God! I remember like talking to to Sam on on Facebook, and we were not on Facebook on Skype, and we were talking about Doctor Who, and I'm like, "Yeah, I want to watch classic Doctor Who now again." <laughs> talking about the new series. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I, I think you know to me the problem is like again, like you said, it's just history repeating itself. It's just a lot of cooks in the kitchen, Moffat going insane, and just it's just a mess right now. Yeah. I think he stepped away from the project. He's going to focus on Sherlock now, and he's going to focus on other projects. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it can sort itself out. I hope so, because I really like Capaldi as the Doctor, and I just don't want to see him like have his run cut short because, you know low ratings and whatnot. No, we can't identify. Younger viewers can't identify with an older doctor. Ugh. Yeah, I, I think it's not because of him. I think it's more because of the whole thing with Moffat, the storyline. It's like, at this point, they give you an idea of how bad he is with his continuity and also his storytelling is that he decided to do a storyline to, okay, right, Matt Smith, he came in, what was it, 2010, right? Yep. Right. He came in around about 2010. Just after when, you know, um, David Tennant left. He came in about 2010. And this is the problem they had with him from day one. It's like, he did a storyline, the crack in the wall, you know? He re-retconned that into not being a crack in time, but it was kind of crack in time. But the crack in time was created by the Time Lords. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for the Doctors. And then at the very end of this recent thing, so six years later... He finally wraps up that storyline. So you're telling me I have to go back through six years, six six years of Doctor Who seasons to reestablish myself with that first storyline to rewatch it up to that point? 
Well, even when I was watching like, the Christmas special, the last Matt Smith run, I had to like rewatch some old episodes because I'm like, I don't get yeah. half these fucking references. <laughs> I was okay, right? I was sitting down. I was watching the Doctor Who Christmas special with my family. The, the last Matt Smith Smith one, which I like to call the Man of Steel one, because um, we just went. Not even, not even, not even Man of Steel. I would like to call it the fucked up fairy tale one because that one, that's what it is. <laughs> no, 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 that was the one before that. Oh God! <laughs> I know which one we're talking about the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe one. I know we're oh. talking about, um, but this one basically had the whole at the very end of it, he becomes like a really old man. He basically sends UFO crashing down the village on onto we're, the whole village. And it... again, I, I like to apologize to everyone because when we reviewed the episode way back then, we were kind-hearted on it. But now looking back at it, I'm sorry for being nice on that episode. <laughs> Yeah, I think you were being nice. I think I was being you in that sense. Basically, well, I didn't like the episode when it first came out, and I had a massive discussion with my mate um, Tom about this, and um, he's a massive Doctor Who fan. I know he he liked the episode. He liked that Christmas special. I was like, no shit, mate, and he just like I cared more about the goddamn Cyberman head than I did about Matt Smith's regeneration. Yeah. That should tell you a lot right there. That that Christmas special was just a complete utter nightmare. It's um. They did this whole thing that basically this doctor on Matt Smith, because I know a lot of people complained about saying that, oh, um, oh, they made David Tennant like the doctor everyone should relate to, or he's the doctor and like he's the best doctor, right? Okay, right, you're telling me he did this, but then Moffat did this whole storyline like he's the best doctor, he kept on fighting until he's an elderly man climbing up the stairs to face the Daleks, and then he brings it all down with regeneration, blowing it up. And I thought, I just, I just said to, I just said to Tom, I said this during the recording when we did the review for this, I said to him, mate, you told me that David Tennant's regeneration was ridiculous. Matt Smith, well, he blew up a fucking UFO with it. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> fucking, fucking, what was it? Um... Superman would look at that shit, and I'm like, yeah, no, this is just too unrealistic. <laughs> now, you excuse me, I've got to go, go away and snap someone's neck. <laughs> Fucking Batman is like, really? Really, dude? You're really going to go there? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, I know people give Batman shit for like, oh, he knows how to solve everything, but I'm like, really, dude? He, this is just dumb. Really is. I mean, that, I mean, that was... Because, like, the problem was with that that as well. You brought it up quickly. It's like... It went back a load of previous storylines during the Matt era run of Doctor Who and tried to wrap it up in one hot episode because there was a rumour going around. I think it's never been confirmed. If it has now, I don't know. I haven't seen it. But they pretty much... They didn't realise Matt Smith was going to leave in that sense. Like, oh, they... they... I think that's true because when we were reviewing the the last the last uh, series eight, yeah. you said it like, oh, the, these episodes were clearly written for the uh, thir- uh, for the for Matt Smith's Doctor, not Peter Capaldi's Doctor. Yeah, and that's the problem I had with it, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this this doesn't feel right in that sense, you know, it feels off. <laughs> Which it did. I mean, it felt off until, like, what, the sixth episode where you kind of felt, oh, okay, they finally wrote the new Doctor. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, because, like, even the, that Doctor was really not getting into his own groove until, I would say, um, until they did the, um, what is it, 
the dark water stuff like dark water and death in heaven like you can tell oh yeah this does feel like the new doctor sort of thing and i still hate that fucking series eight kill the moon fucking hell that was a terrible episode yeah oh my god i hate kill the moon kill the moon was a terrible episode i I, I still argue that the um caretaker and the the time heist episodes are still the two best episodes in that season but you you know that's just me and and here's the sad thing season eight was an improvement let that sink in (laughs) it was (laughs) yep (laughs) it was Oh, dear God. I mean, but yeah, that's that's the main problem. It's like you have to go back, watch all this shit again just to understand what the fuck's going on. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Fuck off. Yeah, it, it, that's, that's the problem with Stephen Moffat. He he goes back to storylines story and really delicate story details. And like, he brings it up in like a special episode and blows it to portion. He wants you to eat. You need to have prior knowledge to it, and the problem was with Christmas. That Christmas special was like, personally, with me, with Doctor Who in general, is that if you ever, ever, ever want to do a Christmas episode, if you do any Christmas thing, it has to be the thing that you make, and you have to bring a new audience because you know there are going to be so many people at home on Christmas Day sitting down watching these TV programs, right? They're going to be watching them. They're going to be enjoying. Yeah, I mean, it's it's family. clearly these these shows are clearly meant to be like one off Christmas specials, not fucking let's wrap everything up in like forty two forty two minutes. Yeah, basically, the, the idea of the Christmas episode, the two values they need to do it. You need to make it watchable for anyone, so basically anyone can sit down, watch it, and enjoy it. And the second thing they should do with it as well, which they have always, they need to always do this, is that they have always need to make these episodes just um, just self-contained, you, you know, basically. And also make them interested. Like, make an episode that you want new watchers. Like, you have to make an episode that will engage people and people are like, I like that. I might check out the next season when it's on to television, you know? Yeah. That's that's what I feel Doctor Who should be during a Christmas episode. Something anyone can watch and you can bring in new viewers. Yep. Yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> not hey let's wrap everything up and if you haven't watched all the entire series of Matt, Matt Smith's run then fuck you because we're not explaining shit <laughs> no you can go away and watch the 11th Doctor yourself or technically you want to be stupid about it the 12th Doctor but we're not going to get into continuity sake oh yeah this, and here's the thing about Doctor Who that everyone should understand if you're going to watch this Understand that this show contradicts itself every single fucking episode. Yeah, so basically throw continuity out the window for a long time, and I don't draw too much to it. Just take every single season as its own thing, and then if it does bring something up from a past season, just you know, just go back to it, just watch it, and you know, try to get the logistics of it yourself. Or if you can't, just take it as a new storyline element, you know. Or just tell yourself that, hey, you know, this shit's dumb. I'm going to go watch some classic Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I did it. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm going to go watch uh, the, what was it, Pyra- Pyramids of Mars again. That was a great story. <laughs> yeah, it really was. <laughs> <laughs> Sutek. <laughs> God, I love Sutek. He was great. He was great. Yeah. 
Or you want to really, really, really want to get into Doctor Who, just watch the 1960s um, Doctor Who movie. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> With um, Peter Cushing as, um, as the Doctor. <laughs> the Lost Doctor, as we call him. In yeah. The film. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie poster for that? Yeah, it's now really weird. <laughs> now on the big screen, color, Doctor Who, and the Daleks. If you look at the poster, Daleks is actually big on the poster. They're actually the Doctor Who on it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so B-movie-ish, doesn't it? It oh, looks yeah. like a fucking B-movie. It's like, wow, really? <laughs> okay, the sequel. Oh, God, God. For anyone who's never seen it, go and see it. It's one of the most amazing things you're ever going to watch. It's like, cause it has a sequel as well, which is even more bizarre, which was called um, Daleks Invasion of Earth. It didn't even have the name Doctor Who in it. It's just called Daleks. Because <laughs> again, they were trying to push them as the main monsters and it's like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah. That's all I have to say. Weird times. Anything else you want to ramble on about <laughs> before we wrap up? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I swear to God, when we before we recorded, I was like, "You want to talk about Civil War? Okay." And then you bring up Doctor Who, and I'm like, "God damn it!" <laughs> you still recording? <laughs> <laughs> I could quickly mention Civil War. You want me to? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'll see you all later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.